welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdall. C70 is about at C70. On Twitter with me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. This may sound a little bit different to you because we are kicking it old school, um, not using our normal internet-based um, recording studio and going to back to the Skype. But we couldn't let Tara's internet act outage that is going to plague us tonight stop us from recording a show um after the news of this week on thursday of course the cardinals out of the blue Tara, and i mean i i have you hear about things coming out of the blue this was smack i mean way out of there um <laughs> cardinals fire mike schilt um what was your initial reaction to this and has it changed at all i think my initial reaction is what i put on twitter which was uh what (laughs) (laughs) um in fact i i saw the news because i got on twitter to find information about Corey knabel starting uh the last game uh, between the Dodgers and Giants, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I want to know more. And, of course, I opened up the Internet, uh, which I no longer have access to, so Mike Schultz broke my Internet, evidently, okay. um, by getting fired. And I was like, oh, hold on. New new point of research. <laughs> what happened? Um, yeah, so it's it's been a very bizarre sequence of events. Really, not even a sequence, just you know, sequence of, of very vague comments that we've gotten since then uh, of course we've been told that mike schilt will make some sort of statement on monday i'm very curious what direction he goes with that but nonetheless certainly unexpected and it's been it's been kind of strange watching the commentary watching the reaction around all of it i'm sure we'll get to those details but look let's be honest most of this season most people wanted mike schilt to be fired Mm. because the team wasn't playing well and now all of a sudden there seems to be this huge swing of you know sort of the the presentation of the the situation and saying well you know john zalek should never have done this this is a travesty i can't believe that the cardinals would let something like this happen which is fascinating to watch uh from sort of the people watching perspective but it's also very interesting because i i imagine we're never really going to get enough details to feel like we know what went wrong and and how it got to this point which leaves lots of gaps for people to fill in with their imagination and with their own commentary and with their own you know sort of perspective on the front office and mike schultz and who's the better option as far as team philosophy and so yeah it's going to be a strange off season in light of that you know i think the the secondary reaction from me was that man i I really do feel for mike schilt in the sense that this is a guy who loved this job and he loved the organization and gave you know almost two decades of his professional life to it and got as you noted uh, the difference between the mike matheny uh, press release and the Mike Schultz press release very little in terms of hey thank you for your service in his dismissal that came out of nowhere that shocked him that shocked players that shocked fans you know all of us collectively so I do feel for him because of the the turmoil that will certainly be there for him I think he'll land on his feet I think he'll get another opportunity and I think he'll be fine but for this to go down this way felt very uncharacteristic for the Cardinals and it felt very dramatic for Mike Schilt and all the time and effort he's put into this organization over the years. Yeah. That's what is so crazy about this whole thing. I mean, I would, I definitely would not have seen the firing coming, but I definitely wouldn't even more so for a guy that has been this organizational piece this you know what the cardinals have focused on for so long i mean if this is a guy that had come out from you know they'd hired away from someplace else and after two or three years he wasn't meshing in with the cardinal way if you will okay i mean it's still weird for the cardinals but it makes you know at least you could maybe swallow it a little bit but mike Schultz has come up i mean he is and uh the guys from Cardinal Off Day were on Meet Me at Mutual Thursday night as we broke this down a little bit. And, you know, it really kind of, kind of came down to 
this is a guy that you know is kind of following the gospel of of uh, George Kissel. You know, this is that this idea that this is what the Cardinals have wanted this continuity, and he is kind of keeper of the flame, and to let him go, not only out of nowhere, but so unceremoniously. I mean, you're right. We pull up those um, news releases and. Mike Bethany has talked about it in like glowing terms. It's almost like Mike had a, you know, a uh, terminal illness and they had to let him go because of that. You know, it was like, man, we wish him the best. And, you know, he's been great for us. And Mike Bethany played here, what, like five years and managed for seven and maybe did a little bit of stuff in between. But it wasn't like he was like cardinal through and through, which is pretty much what Mike Schilt is. And Mike Schilt doesn't even get a thank you i mean i mean it says yeah i mean literally in that press in that press the mm-hmm. news release there is not a we even the the generous we thank you for his we thank him for his service it was just uh yeah it was just great it's time to do this let's move on um yeah what in the world so it kind of feel it's hard not to to feel like john mozella can say this was 100 percent baseball I don't know that anybody's ever going to quite believe that. There's got to be a personal element to this that is, you know, that really made this stand out from the Mike Matheny issues. Yeah. And I mean, the personal element could be something as simple as, look, I know it all, it all comes off as, well, they just want a yes man. They just want Mm -hmm, somebody mm -hmm. who will toe the parting line. I don't know that I think that's the case. We can talk about that later. But, you know, a personal issue could be something as simple as they they don't like the way that Mike Schultz talked about the things they want to do or they don't. You know, and, it's, and it's strange, right, for someone who's been a part of that conversation on multiple levels for so long to all of a sudden be this outcast that's like, well, we're done with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, whether it was something uh, what I what I don't necessarily buy into, I guess, is the idea that this just came up all of a sudden. Right? Mm-hmm. This had to be something where there were at least seeds of discord somewhere along the way. And, you know, we've heard in the, the last couple of days, well, there there was some sense of frustration in the middle of the season around the all star break and. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people take that to mean, well, Mike Schilt wanted them to trade for more pitching and John Mozeliak didn't want to spend any money. Mm-hmm. Now, that, sure, I guess could be part of that confrontation. I have a really hard time buying that idea that they fired Mike Schilt because he wanted the front office to spend more money. Like, that doesn't follow right, to me. And right. maybe it is. Maybe that's really where they're, you know, drawing the line in the sand. I don't think that that makes sense to me um but i do think there has to be something that was bubbling underneath for a while that then kind of came to a head rather than just popped up out of nowhere and yeah i think it can be both baseball in the sense of this is what we do here (laughs) and this is how we think we're going to be successful. And if you can't be a part of that, then you can find somewhere else to go and simultaneously personal in the sense of, Hey man, you've been around, you know what we're doing. We're friendly. We're, we're, you know, professional on the level of, Hey, we appreciate and value and respect each other's work. And you're fighting me on this for no good reason whatever this thing is. Um, and maybe that's what, what feels more personal about it. But you're right. It does have a sense and an undertone of we just can't work this out, mm-hmm. which feels very different than we don't think he's a good manager. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, um, you know, that was the difference. It really felt like, you know, they really weren't sure Mike Matheny was a good manager. Right. Um, but they were... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're sowing the seeds so somebody else would hire him so they could manage against him, uh, the El Tono Universa. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and they don't really want that opportunity with Mike Schilt. Um, it is weird. It, reading, I, I listened to some of the press conference, and then reading this in today's article from Derek Gould, there's a, there's a, it, both times it's kind of something that stood out to me. And it says here, 
the specific statement or stance is unclear. Um, it said the meeting started the previous Friday with Schilt, his staff, and the front office underscored a clashing of ideas. Then Mosellock said he became aware of a collection of information, gathered back, background on what was expressed, and made the call. He declared it a baseball decision. That makes it sound like there was some stuff out there that Mo didn't know. Um, right. And I don't know what that is. You know, and that's that's going to be the stuff we probably never know. But right. I think that's why Mo calls it a baseball decision to perhaps separate it from what we saw in the NFL um, last week. <laughs> yes. With, uh, with some of the emails that were out there um, to make sure that it's it wasn't like Mike Schultz was running some sort of crime ring, you know, right, in, in the right. front office or, you know, he wasn't, you know, belittling everybody. Um, you know, maybe, I guess, maybe there's a, a string of emails where Mike Schilt cusses the fans. I don't know. Maybe that still counts as a baseball decision. But, you know, I don't know on a front office that is pretty diligent, I think, about gathering information. I mean, they're not as analytical as some teams are, but they're trying to get there. I don't know what information could have been, you know, collected somewhere that Mo didn't know about. I, I mean, that just seems weird. It does, unless, you know, I keep going back to this idea, and it's really because we don't have any additional information. So mm. it's kind of the thing that stuck out to me as a possibility, and the more I hear, the more I see, the more I think, oh, okay, maybe something along this line is happening where, again, like everyone has sort of taken this perspective of, oh, well, the front office just wants someone who will do their bidding. And Mike Schultz told them no, and they freaked out. Well, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with the idea that you don't really want someone who can't think on their own. Right. But for an organization to function, whether it's baseball or otherwise, look, if you own a business and you hire a manager, you want that manager to think about the process of your business in the same way that you do to the extent that whatever your mission is, whatever your goals are as a company, that's what your manager is going to be working towards, right? So that's not a novel concept. And quite frankly, it's not a bad uh, philosophy, right? We keep using that mm -hmm. word. It's not a bad philosophy to have, especially when you are trying to make changes. If you're in any organization and you want to make changes with the direction that you're going, if you say, hey, the status quo isn't really where we're, we want to stay anymore, we want to do this. And the people you hire to manage that transition kind of behind the scenes or behind your back, maybe to your face or saying, yeah, that's great. And then, you know, to the rest of the staff are saying, well, he's an idiot. We're going to do this instead. That's never going to work. So we, like you said, we probably will never know what those things are, but I could see a scenario in which we have continued to hear that maybe there was some stress points between Mike Schilt and the rest of the coaching staff and if the coaching staff was saying okay we're getting mixed signals here because the organization says this is what they want to do but the manager who implements the decisions is taking all the information we're giving him and basically throwing it in the trash you're never going to be able to work in a, a, a symbiotic way between the front office and the field staff and I understand that. I can see how that might have been an issue, knowing what we know about some of the ways Mike Schilt makes and defends decisions. That's not new, right? This idea that we're kind of forgetting all the frustrations we've had with Mike Schilt in the last year and a half is a little silly to me, but it's just the, the heat of the moment. Um, and I'm sort of, of course, speaking generally about Cardinals fans right. uh, all over the internet. <laughs> but I guess the point... I'm trying to make is I do think there needs to be some sort of harmony between the front office staff and the field staff. And if the person you hire to make that transition happen, doesn't want to play the same game that you're playing, then it's not, it shouldn't be shocking to let that person go because it's easier to let that person go than to backtrack on the millions of dollars you've spent to try to move your organization into this more future-focused sort of concept of, of how to do baseball. 
I don't know if I trust that that means the front office made the right decision because they've made a lot of decisions we've questioned in the last number of years. But I do think that it's it's easy for me to identify where some of those breaking points might have been. And then I would not have imagined Mike Schultz as the kind of person who goes around you know, after a conversation with Mo and sends emails to the rest of the staff telling them, Hey, don't do this. Don't do what he's telling you to do. But perhaps there was some conversation or communication that highlighted the just inefficiency in the communication between the field staff and you can't move forward that way. So I don't want it to sound like I'm, you know, taking the side of the front office or, or, speaking out of turn as it pertains to Mike Schultz, because we don't know these things. Mm. But when you have the baseline information that we have and are left to assume the rest, you know, I just keep trying to figure out what would it have been, right? What could have been that significant of a gap that the more information Mo collected, the more he realized, oh, he might've been telling me one thing, but he was doing another thing and that's not okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that really kind of feels like that's the only, the only answer, right? Because it's not like you know there was some idea, even my father when he first heard this, you know that Schilt wanted more money, you know, yeah. that Schilt comes in and says, hey, I want my extension, and I want this, or that the front office came and said, which they said they haven't had any discussions about extension, but you know, take whatever, that hey, they came in with a month, and he said, no, I need to be, I need more than that. I feel like even in that situation, the Cardinals just say, okay, well, let's let this play out and we'll talk again, you know, mid-season or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I don't, I don't think they just dismiss a, especially a quote, quote, company man right. for, you know, just trying to get a little more money. I mean, they don't have to like it, but unless, unless John Mozeliak was called certain terms by Mike <laughs> Schiltz, which is always possible knowing Mike Schiltz's propensity for profanity. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that becomes personal. This, this does feel very, very personal. And I, I mean, again, the press release is just standing out, you know, no comments from Bill DeWitt in the press release, a very, just kind of reiterating the, what they said in the press conference, not even, um, you know, some sort of generousness toward uh, Schilt was was like that. They he definitely had spent some time going behind his back. And you know, again, we're not. It's going to take. Um, I mean, the St. Louis media is is pretty good about kind of digging on this stuff, and they were obviously caught as unaware as anybody else on this whole thing. You know, they got the they got the information about a Zoom conference like two minutes after it was supposed to have started, I think, or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they spend some of the winter, you know, getting some sources and we get some pieces here and there. We'll see what Mike Schilt says tomorrow. I can't imagine it's much more than, you know, I wanted to do something and they want to do something else and we moved on. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I think Mike Schilt wants to work in baseball again. And I don't, mm-hmm. so I don't think it does him any good to go out and say, these guys, you know, stabbed me in the back, blah, 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 blah. They might feel good, but I don't expect him to say that. And it may take a, a Ken Rosenthal or, a, you know, or Jeff Fasson digging into it. over the, and, and then somewhere in January, we get some sort of article that kind of lays out a little bit more. I don't know. But um, but you're right. I, whether we get the whole full story, I don't I, – it just – Depends on how good their sources are and how many people want to leak, I guess. But um, I think it's very interesting also that we're seeing a lot of anonymously. We don't have any players putting their names to it. But a lot of the players were basically like, what's going on here? You know, they didn't, of course, they didn't know it ahead of time, which shocking communication issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never talked about that before. Um, but all the stories we saw up to that and even after have really seemed to be that Mike Schilt didn't lose the clubhouse. That was, you know, that was one of the things right. with Matheny. These guys really liked, respected, and played for him well. How does that, how does that go forward? I mean, what kind of are, are we going to have some issues between the front office and the players with after this? I think it all depends on what they do next. I think two things. As you were talking, I think we will get 
a clearer picture, even if we don't get the, the entire picture, of what those philosophical differences were based mm-hmm. on who they hire next. Um, you know, if it's a situation where the the Cardinals do things that are different than they have done in the last couple of years, it'll be quite obvious which direction the organization wanted to move in. And if the idea is Mike Schultz didn't want to go that way, then we'll kind of be able to fill in those blanks. But I think the clubhouse situation is really interesting, and it's very important in the middle of all of this. You know, when I talked to Alex about this situation, he said similarly, just sort of in general, man, this was a bold choice to move on from Mike Schultz in the way that you did and to say the things that you have, which really just underscores the importance of your next hire, and you better get it right. For a lot of reasons, but I think the clubhouse situation is one of them, because if you're going to take a guy that was beloved in the minor leagues and made his way to the major leagues, had a reasonable amount of success, if not without lots of frustrations in the midst of all of that, and like you said, is a guy that seems to be able to maintain the the temperament, maintain the support, maintain the loyalty of the clubhouse through the ups and downs. Now we hear from a handful of guys, not all the players. So maybe there's more of an undercurrent there than we will ever know about, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And if you take him out of it in such a dramatic way, you better get it right when you bring the next guy in and be able to present it in a way that is, Hey, this guy understands what he's coming into. He understands the history and the expectation but he also understands where we're trying to go and we've talked a lot about getting players to buy in to some of the data available to them this is a one another one of those huge moments where you have to get players to not only buy into the continuation of this shift in approach organization wide but also to a person who's taking the place of another person that they already liked and trusted and were you know, loyal to and and whatever other pieces of that puzzle there are. So I think what happens next is going to be very telling in terms of if this was a a bold move in a good direction, or if it was a bold move that just creates more of the same, which is why I understand in terms of the clubhouse culture, hiring someone who's already been in it and knows what they've been through. But I also think that almost is just more of the same that they've done the last couple of times with Mike Matheny and then with Mike Schilt. And I'm not sure that really helps the fans or the players buy into this idea of, oh, you want to do something different this time Mm -hmm. if you just kind of follow in those same footsteps. But that said, we don't know what those conversations were like between uh, the members of that field staff. So maybe there was more of a disconnect there than, than we are aware of. And so it would make sense and players would go, Oh yeah. Okay. He is the one that was always trying to move us in this direction. That makes sense. I don't know. I, I just think that what you do at this point is very important in terms of what this group of players can actually accomplish in 22, which evidently was the whole point of moving on from Mike Schilt, right? Not what he did in 21, but what he was willing to do in 22 and beyond, which is what these players are going to have to deal with. I can understand. I do not fault the Cardinals for not letting the players know ahead of time on this. Sure. Because it really sounds like this was like they got up that morning and decided after sleeping on it, they, that had to happen. And they, like I said, they called Major League Baseball to make this big and, you know, on a, on a playoff day, um, it, it, which is a little bit weird too, right? I mean, what's the difference going to be between now and the end of the season? You know, the the, yeah. the, the idea was it gives Mike Schultz a chance to, you know, basically jumpstart what his next thing is. and Which is fine. I don't buy that. I think the Cardinals already know who they want to talk to, and they're probably teams that are already out of the playoffs, so they yeah. want to get a jump on that. <laughs> I, I think that's part of it. And, you know, it looks like Mike Schilt is expected to interview with the Padres. Um, so maybe that helps him. You'll get that. But I I got to – I mean, nobody's going to hire anybody. I don't think anybody gets hired the day after the World Series. I no. mean, 
unless they do a lot of that stuff ahead of time. I don't know. It just seemed a little bit weird to have to go through these kind of hoops. Agreed. Uh, for this. Um, that said, there is an all possibility that, you know, it's going to be a trade. Uh, if Mike <laughs> Schilt goes to the Padres, there's some talk about Skip Schumacher. Um, of course, there's a lot of talk of Oli Marmol and um, Stubby Clab. It, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, some of these guys are under contract, some of them are not. Who comes back? Right. Who feels the loyalty to Mike Schilt? Who, if Schilt gets a job in San Diego, like we talked about, I cannot see Mike Schilt in New York um, managing the Mets, but... Um, you know, if he gets close to San Diego, does does Mike Maddox go with him? Because I think I feel like Mike Maddox's contract is up. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, it's, it's very interesting. So if you're if you were to make that decision, would you rather the continuity of a guy coming up like a Marmol? Would you rather a guy that has connections to the organization, but you know, has also been in a different, a few different organizations to maybe have a little bit of different ideas. It's like Schumacher. Do you go, you know, Matt Holiday was out this weekend saying, even after Jeff Jones said Matt Holiday was not in the running, Matt Holiday was on radio saying he'd love an interview, basically. Um, do you go back to the, you know, a guy that doesn't have any, you know, history managing with the idea that it will be more for an office directed? Um, how would you, or do you go to somebody completely out of the realm that has really has no connection to the Cardinals just to bring in something new? Well, I think this is a challenge that, man, it really feels like I am in the front office's corner in this conversation, <laughs> uh, which go back and listen a, a few episodes back. I promise you I'm not. Um, they, they probably wrote me off a long time ago, too, for uh, philosophical differences. But nonetheless... <laughs> Um, I think this is in part what is so difficult about trying to move an organization that has such a storied past into a different era of baseball. And it's not the first time it's ever happened. They're not the first team that's ever had to try to make that transition. I think it's part of the reason that transition has been maybe a bit more slow than it has been with other, with other teams, because there is this idea with the ownership of the Cardinals, with the front office of the Cardinals, down to the players and the fans, that you have to maintain the history and the legacy and who we are as Cardinals, right? Mm. So there is a challenge in maintaining that and respecting that and recognizing how teams won in the 80s and how the Cardinals won with homegrown talent in 2006 and 2011 and also adapting to what baseball looks like now which doesn't necessarily mean going out and spending all the money right mm -hmm. that is a right. piece of the equation but it's not the entirety of the equation look at a number of teams that made the postseason this year beyond the wild card game they were not all big market teams they were not all teams that spent all the money <laughs> they were teams <laughs> that were smart about how they maximized the roster that, the, that was available to them but trying to do that means doing something different in a world or a piece of the world where doing things different is seen as a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that I mention all of that is that I think it presents a really interesting challenge in who the manager is, because it has to be someone who can balance those things, who can value and respect and appreciate the tradition that is Cardinals baseball but simultaneously understand and appreciate and adapt to the way that baseball games are won now. Because all that history and tradition leads to very frustrated fans when they're not winning now. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be able to do both, which means I, I am hesitant about the idea of someone from within the organization who's been there for years and years and years, just like Mike Schilt was, to some degree like Mike Matheny was, who doesn't necessarily have the experience of being the, the guy at the top who makes all of those decisions, who, you know, bears the responsibility if things don't go well. As much as Ali Marmol is, is so highly spoken of and so highly respected, and Stubby Clapp as well, I think... Uh, 
Marmol has kind of taken a, a bit of a leap to the top of the internal options leaderboard. I don't know that that would give you enough of a shift to feel like you were doing anything different. I like the idea of someone like a Skip Schumacher who has experienced other organizations mm -hmm. because we have talked a lot the last year or so that a lot of pieces of this puzzle just feel stale. Right. And it feels like they're just treading water and it feels like, oh, but we've done this before and no one else knows anything else to try because they've never been anywhere else. So I like the idea of bringing in someone who has experienced other organizations can take the best pieces of what they learned there and bring it back to fit into the tradition that is Cardinals baseball. I don't think this organization will ever go entirely um, new in mm. terms of someone who has no connection to St. Louis. Um, I don't love, I love Matt holiday. I don't love the idea of bringing him in to manage the right. team. Now, if he wants to be a hitting coach or something like that, that could be very interesting. Um, don't love the absolutely zero experience uh, in professional baseball on a management level, um, jumping back in to try to do something that we haven't seen before. Cause we've kind of seen that play out before. Mm -hmm. um, so very long answer to say whether it's Skip Schumacher or someone else of that nature that has an understanding of what the fabric of Cardinals baseball is, but isn't so locked into it that they're blinded to where some of the problems are, but also has enough experience with organizations that use data well and that let that influence the way that they run the show in a positive way, rather than feeling like there's always this tugging against using data or not using data. Um, there are probably only a handful of people, if that, that fit those pieces in terms of association with the Cardinals, but experience elsewhere, close to the players so that the old guys buy in and the new guys can relate and also understands how to do baseball in 2021 and not try to make it like 1991 all over again. Um, so maybe it's a swap uh, and Skip Schumacher comes to St. Louis and uh, Mike Schultz goes to San Diego, but it will be very interesting to see the, the names that do actually get interviewed. Um, because like I said, I think it will give us a clearer picture of what this directional change really is when we see who is um, who's on the short list of guys who who fit the bill. Yeah, and to I'll go to continue on the Matt Holiday thing, I think we saw with Mike Matheny, and Matheny was not a legendary Cardinal by any means. He was a guy that Cardinal fans kind of liked, I think, when he was was here. But also, I think kind of. You know, once Yadier Molina came along, kind of people kind of forgot about Molini as a Cardinal sometimes, somewhat. I don't know, maybe not. But anyway, I don't think I want to see Matt Holiday out there and people calling for Matt Holiday's job, which no. they would do. <laughs> I want to like, like Matt April. Holiday, right? I mean, you don't <laughs> want that. You don't want when he's coming back because here, I think they said next year maybe is when he's eligible for the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Pretty soon, anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't, and he's going to get in, obviously. Um, you don't want him coming back for a red jacket thing and people like maybe still kind of booing him or at least having that, eh, well, he was a great player, but man, he was a terrible manager. You know, I just, I, I'd rather, you know, not sully that. Let's, let's right. let him, you know, Skip Schumacher doesn't necessarily have that cachet. Plus the fact that he seems to probably has an idea of what he's doing, but <laughs> you know, he doesn't, I mean, people like Skip, that's fine, but he was never a, you know, legend of any sort, uh, except for the fact that everybody on that 2011 team is kind of legendary. Um, yes. So it's not, you know, because when you hire a manager, you have to be ready to fire a manager. That's just, that's the lifespan of these things. They, very rarely do you pull the Tony La Russa and go out on your own terms. And when you hire a guy like Matt Holiday, what does firing a guy like Matt Holiday look like? Um, I, I think you have to take that into account. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to go that direction. Um, it does feel like it's kind of a, you know, if Ollie Marmol wants to stay good chance for him. If Skip's interested, they'll definitely talk to him. It definitely sounds like they have a short list of guys already, um, and they're not necessarily going to expand that. Um, 
I don't know. It's very, it's a very interesting thing. Now, in Derek Gould's story also, it talks about a little bit about there was concern, and I'm not, I assume it's coming from the clubhouse side of things. Although it's hard, a little bit hard to tell from the story about a little bit of loss of cardinal tradition and things of that nature. We saw this right after this, like on Friday night, we hear that Chris Carpenter wasn't coming back as a whatever he was, and he's going to go be a Los Angeles angel instead because apparently that's where we send people uh, that are legends <laughs> for the Cardinals when we're done with them. Um, that's I think there's a – I'd be very interested to know – if that was part of it as well. I haven't felt too much. I mean, obviously you're right. They're shifting into this data focused, biometric focused, all this kind of stuff. And that's great. I mean, you've got to do that. I think you can do that and still keep your traditions. Maybe people are feeling that they're not, or maybe, I mean, I can't imagine Mike Schilt wasn't paying, you know, homage to those traditions being the person he was. So it must be that the, you know, some of the staff is not feeling like the Cardinal front office are, well, to be blunt, I guess, true Cardinals. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. Again, I think it's a really hard balance to find when you feel like for the for the business of baseball, I'm not talking contracts and, and dollar amounts. I'm talking for, for baseball um, as a winning concept to mm. flourish. You need to do things that are different. Um, it, it's hard to figure out how to hold on to that connection to the past and not lose that sense of history and that sense of tradition, but still being able to move away from, well, this is how we've always done it when this is how we've always done it isn't effective anymore. And I don't know what those conversations are. I don't know where those areas are. I do think, you know, the Chris Carpenter thing is interesting to me because on the one hand, yes, I am understand hey if Chris Carpenter wanted to work in baseball the Cardinals should have been the first team to call but at the same time we just got done saying someone who doesn't have any experience or someone who is an uh, who's who's known for their success on the field doesn't necessarily mean they're the best fit for a coaching position or for a staff position and I think I, I had a hard time with with the Carpenter situation because of that because i feel like there is this disconnect similar to the disconnect between everyone wanting mike schultz fired to now everybody thinking mike schultz was the greatest manager the cardinals have ever had hey a 17 winning game winning streak will do that well yeah that's true (laughs) that's true but we we do this thing and we all do it um where you know we have this intense connection to someone particularly in sports or in you know whatever it is that that we're invested in um, and we think they're the greatest thing that's ever going to be an option. And then they go do that great thing somewhere else. And we're like, how dare you <laughs> let them go do something somewhere else? When the times when the Cardinals have hired someone like that into a role that was new because of their experience on the field, it doesn't always translate. So I'm hesitant to say it is you know, a travesty that Chris Carpenter is going to work in baseball for another team when we don't even know if Chris Carpenter is going to be good at that job. Yeah. And I think that the, in the wave of Mike Schultz getting fired, we, we feel this need to grab onto what it means to be a Cardinal. Um, and maybe that means you should have hired Chris Carpenter. Maybe it does, but I, I just think sometimes we can pump the brakes and go, okay, but but is he going to be good at that? Do we know? Do we know that? I know that he's worked with the Cardinals in spring training and as a special advisor, and all of those things are great. Um, if the front office is really focused on moving a certain direction and they never called Chris Carpenter, maybe he's not interested in moving that direction. I don't know. Again, lots of blanks to fill in at this point with both of these. Uh, individuals because the front office doesn't tell us anything and they're not obligated to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I have absolutely loved to see Chris Carpenter come back and be successful as a coach in St. Louis, of course, 
Um, do I think it's the worst possible thing for anyone to ever do? Uh, probably not, but it, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. It's, it seems like a lot of those jobs for former players are kind of just that we're going to keep you around. Um, you know, it's like honoring what you did, keeping you around for marketing purposes, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you don't really have any real responsibilities. Now, that's not always the case, obviously. And maybe that's the thing with Carpenter. And you're, and you're right. I mean, if they're going to use Chris Carpenter as any sort of instructor, you know, if he's not going to, if he's going to tell the players, you know, just go get your rib cut out. Um, and, and that's not what, you know, the, the data. I mean, backs. he did it. Why didn't yeah, they? Exactly. And if that's not what the data is backing up, then, you know, that may not be the way they want the players to go. Now, if the data is there, I mean, he's a great spokesman for it. Um, and I, I'm sure everybody will be getting their <laughs> ribs taken out. Um, but um, it is different. I mean, and I don't think if that had come a week before the Mike Schilt thing, probably nobody really notices. I mean, it'd still be frustrating because you hate to see a guy that's so tied to the Cardinals go to a team that he has no connection to. I mean, sure. yeah. he'd gone back to, you know, worked with Toronto. Sure. Even, even if he had gone to Philadelphia to honor his friend, Roy Halladay. Okay. Maybe I get that. Los Angeles. It's like, why are you going to work for the angels? Like it's like a whole country away from where you home. You have no connection, blah, 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 <laughs> whatever, you know, sometimes the money talks and that's, that's fine. Whatever works for him. But I don't think we would have worried too much about it. It'd be kind of a passing thing, but when it comes on, on the back of, you know, this whole Schilt thing, it really does feel like the front office is getting a little bit, cold and calculating and i don't think we want that as, as fans right i mean cold and calculating may work it may win you a lot of world series but there's something to you know having a personal connection to your team right i mean the old saying was rooting for the yankees is like rooting for ibm that's kind of what we're getting to now. It's just like, who's got the better computers and who's got the better, you know, analytics and whatever, but there's not any real f connection, especially, you know, to the front office. And especially if players can be interchangeable and tossed aside here and there, or managers can be, I know we can't go back to, you know, the sixties, the seventies, eighties or beyond when, you know, the front office, just like this big family type of, you know, ownership. And you really had this, you know, connection and somewhat loyalty, although it didn't always go that way. But I think going so sterile is not a great thing for baseball either. And that feels like when you see this kind of move again, without any explanation, when you see the carpenter thing, it kind of feels like the Cardinals are going that way. Yeah. And I, I do agree. I don't think you want the sort of cold, brutal business sense that we saw in Chicago this year, right? right Where right. the, the core pieces are just sort of cast aside because, well, that's how it works. But to play devil's advocate, that the warm fuzzy feelings that we like as mm -hmm. as fans um also led to Matt Carpenter having a contract that he had no business signing and that's fair so there has to be a balance there mm -hmm. right where right. you can say hey look we understand the loyalty to guys who have done great things for this organization we also are not so blinded by that loyalty that we can't see the writing on the wall when this isn't a good move and I don't know necessarily what that looks like when you're talking about former players coming back and, and having a role as some sort of instructor or officially on staff as a coach or whatever it is um, so I do agree I, I think there's this fear that the Cardinals will make this shift and lose that sense of who they've always been hmm. and I totally understand that I totally see the downside of organizations that have gone that route and where a computer tells them everything there's no humanity in the process and the business of baseball really is just a matter of x's and o's dollars and cents 
sign out at the end of the day and don't think about it. I don't think any of us want that. But I do think that if we want this organization to move away from kind of some of those things that are a bit less logical, like a Matt Carpenter extension that didn't need to happen. Um, and you know, that's one example of, right. of situations like that that have occurred. Uh, if we want them to be able to say, Hey, I get it. This is a feel good story, but it's not going to help us win. So we're not going to do it. Then we have to allow for them to stretch what that, boundary is a little bit and reestablish where that line is to say, yes, we will always value the significance of these people in the organization, but we don't always have to keep them in the same role or feel obligated to bring them in in place of someone else if it doesn't actually make sense. And I don't know what that, like I said, I don't necessarily know what that looks like, um, but just as sort of the flip side of that coin Yes, we want them to to maintain the humanity and to maintain the um, that that warmth of an organization who does things differently. But if that tendency leads to lots of bad decisions, then there's got to be a way to break that up somehow. And I don't know if this is the right way to break that up <laughs> or if it's um, you know going too far in the opposite direction, but it's not something they have to. And I think that's why even with Mike Schultz, it just felt so strange because it feels uncharacteristically sudden and um, bold and to some degree cold. And we're not used to that. We don't like that on the surface, but I think some of that is the only way to get this Cardinals organization away from the trap that they continue to fall into in order to, kind of maintain that loyalty element that then puts them in the hole <laughs> in terms of the actual baseball playing element. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. There, you can't just be like, everybody's a lifetime Cardinal for sure. I mean, I, I you're right. You can't do that. And if they had been, <clears throat> if they had been less generous to Matt Carpenter, his career probably ends on a higher note as well. True. <laughs> um, although, I will say, you know, thankfully Mike Schilt, you know, especially the second half, really phased him out. And unfortunately, Carpenter didn't hit well, but it did, I think, helped people stop being so upset with Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Although there were still a lot of them that were. Um, and you could even have that last weekend of appreciating what he did, in part because he wasn't batting cleanup for the whole series. Right. Um. But, yeah, there has to be as you said, some sort of balancing act. Cause I, I mean, I look at the Rays and I'm sure the Rays have some very passionate fans. I know I've, I've interacted with some, uh, you know, some of them here and there, but you know, there's gotta be something about, you know, a team that is always looking for that statistical edge, whether it's, you know, trading right. off Blake Snell, whether it's never bothering to get a starting pitcher because you're always using openers or, or things of that nature that, they can win you ball games and that can get you pretty far, but I don't know if it makes that connection with people. And maybe, sure. it, maybe it does. I mean, again, I, I, I don't think it would work for me. It may be for race fans that they enjoy the winning. And that's, that's definitely what part of this is about. So um, I don't know. I do think that the, the search for that balance though, is what the Cardinals are up against. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know that there are many teams that have done it well, at least in that initial transition. So it's, it's gotta be harder than just sort of knowing that that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, trying to figure, figure out how far, how far down that analytical road you get versus, you know, is there a, is there a place for gut decisions or something of that nature? Um, yeah, it's, it, it is just it's kind of what it seems like the Cardinals are trying to, to fight through right now. Um, and it will be interesting to see how that works. Um, Cardinals will have said they want to have their manager in place by mid-November. I got to say, this feels like they're going to talk to the people that they want to talk to. You know, that's the good thing about, quote, quote, good thing about the pandemic. They can do a lot of this over Zoom and nobody knows that <laughs> yeah. Skip Schumacher was in St. Louis or something of that nature. Um, I kind of feel like they're going to announce their new manager 
the day after the World Series or right, right, you know, that week after the World Series at least. I don't think it goes very far after that. Yeah, I can't imagine that they want, one, to be in limbo, and two, for people to keep talking about this part of the story right. <laughs> any longer than absolutely necessary. So as soon as they can get someone else in there, who can, they can get out in front of the public and say, hey, this is what we're doing, we're all excited about it, um, the sooner we'll all stop talking about whether they were right or wrong about Mike Schultz. <laughs> yeah. Two other things briefly touch on. We've gone well long, but, you know, when the Cardinals fire their manager out of nowhere, that's kind of going to happen. Um, but two little things that have come out of baseball in general, both tonight, both I've seen tonight, so I want to touch on one of them briefly. One of them I know you're going to want to talk about a lot more. But the first one is there's a report out there that MLB is looking for, looking to do a streaming service that basically lets you watch in-house games. I don't know why they don't just, it's not just MLB at TV without blackouts. <laughs> I mean, this, is, this doesn't seem like it's that hard, right? Just take out the blackouts and you've already got it. I read this and I was like, so you mean like MLB TV, but <laughs> accessible? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm very intrigued, but also confused why yeah. they're trying to suggest this as a novel concept. Like just let people access the stream you already have available. My guess would be, because it's baseball, you're going to see them sell some sort of in-market streaming. Yes. <laughs> and then also sell you MLB TV for any games you want it out of market. And so you have to play twice. But it would cut down. I could get rid of, like, basically my entire TV uh, if I needed to do that. <laughs> Just have that option. So. Um, second is that there is a report out there that Major League Baseball is going to pay for housing, as far as I can tell, and you've looked at it, I'm sure more than I have, uh, pay for housing for all of their minor league players starting next year. Um, sounds like there's still some details to try to figure out what that means, but it's a, it seems like it's a pretty big step forward. Yeah, it's a huge step conceptually. As you know, I tend to be quite skeptical of Major League Baseball and anything that pertains <laughs> to how they um, treat or manage or supply the needs of their uh, minor league players. Um, and this is no exception. I read the report from Jeff Passan, who very casually slipped in a line that is also in the statement from MLB, um, that can go unnoticed if you read down further and it says, oh, all four of their minor league teams are going to have access to housing. They don't know how they're going to provide it yet, but that's what they say. Um, the actual statement says they will provide housing for certain minor league players with no extra definition. So there's that vague loophole that allows them to kind of go back on that when they finalize those details or limit it to certain players and not sort of a broad strokes, general, everyone gets free housing kind of thing, which was a red flag to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just in light of the way that they have tended to do things with minor league players in the past sure. where they'll, they'll make these sort of grandiose statements and then, you realize it's actually only benefiting a certain number of selected individuals and not the sort of industry as a whole. So excited to see it, cautious about the actual implementation of it, but whatever it looks like, I do think it is valuable and important to recognize. There are a lot of people who have kind of put themselves on the line to talk about this issue in real time, not in terms of, yeah, when I was a minor leaguer 35 years ago, mm -hmm. here's what the situation was. But guys right now today who are in it or who are recently out of it or who are, you know, some sort of connected connection to it and men and women in the media who are writing about it and talking about it to get it to such a point where Major League Baseball knows that they have to do something or they're not going to hear the end of it. Mm -hmm. And look, Minor League Baseball was brought into the equation when there were court rulings on NCAA players being able to make money off of their own likeness um, to the degree that that court ruling in the, the paperwork <laughs> says maybe uh, we should reevaluate the... Um, ways that 
Major League Baseball gets around paying minor league players because they're even worse off. So they know that people with power are paying attention. So they also know that they have to do something in order to sort of quiet the impending storm. All of that to say, I'm glad that there's going to be some progress on that front because the way that it has gone on for so long is just, one, not necessary, and two, should be unacceptable to the people who employ those minor league players. And I hope that it's more all-encompassing than that one little loophole line makes me think it will be, but I have learned to be very skeptical of the way Major League Baseball ownership tends to think about and make decisions about the minor leagues. Yeah. Yeah, but you would think it would just be, like, ridiculously easy for them to build build or buy an apartment complex (laughs) in each town and just put their players there. Yeah, none of this is hard. It's just a matter of actually implementing it. Um, This is probably the easiest way to make an improvement in the lives of minor league players and... Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's as simple as it should be. Well, and we've talked about this before, but it is amazing how Billy Bean starts looking at on base percentage, and within like six years, almost all of baseball is you know down the sabermetric road. I mean, right. because they're looking, somebody showed it it could be effective, and then everybody copied it. It is still amazing to me that somebody hasn't spent the money to make their minor leaguers better because, (laughs) I mean, the investment in housing, in pay, in food is ridiculously small compared to what you could get out of these players, you know, when they come up. And as soon as one team does this and has, I mean, that's what the minor leagues is about. The Cardinals started the minor leagues by going around buying up teams and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they had like so many good players that branch Rickey could keep selling them off and they'd still win um that's what this would be i think if somebody started just putting that money into the minor leagues and these guys start coming up and being talented and making you money everybody would go at it it's just yeah. amazing that somebody even if it was like oakland or of course tampa bay didn't really have the money but still, even then they probably do um, you know, somebody that that needs that edge hasn't done that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, someone tweeted it and I shared it a little while ago. It may have been J.J. Cooper from Baseball America uh, saying that there will be a major league player at some point who made it to the big leagues and impacted a major league club because of a decision like this mm-hmm. because there are guys who retire from professional baseball every season because they cannot afford it anymore because they're losing more money to play professional baseball than they are making any and you know when they get to the point where they have families to take into account and all of that there are guys who retire and, and i'm not just talking one or two there are guys who retire all the time from professional baseball because they cannot afford to continue to play it not because their talent isn't good enough, not because they couldn't make it to the major league level, but because they're losing money rather than being able to support themselves and their family because of, of the career that they have. So someone's going to make it to the big leagues because of a decision like this. And that's the reality, like you're talking about, of improving that part of the system that will then in turn improve what your final product is at the major league level. I, I have no doubt about that. If they can get it right in the minor league situation that it's going to have a tremendous positive impact on the major league system. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is a step in that direction. Hopefully that these teams will see this and realize that uh, the people that are in the minor leagues are actually human beings. I know (laughs) blows your mind sometimes, but uh, you know, if they could just treat them as that um, instead of, you know, like, spare parts it would be kind of kind of nice so anyway mike schiltz 11 o'clock in the morning talks to the media um this is a little bit different right i mean i don't know mike Matheny famously had a, a discussion i think with frank cusimano the day after he was fired but usually 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a press conference. I don't know if it's just a, he's going to turn on Zoom and say something and turn it back off. I don't know <laughs> how this is going to work, but it's something to look forward to tomorrow as maybe we'll get a few more answers. Um, Tara and I, again, plan to take some time off, and then the Cardinals do this kind of stuff to us. But um, <laughs> barring something very weird and being that Tara's kind of out of pocket next week, I think we're safe to say no show next week. Um, but we will be back some point in time in the next few weeks to talk about maybe the new manager, maybe some huge free agent move, perhaps the complete implosion of the Cardinals. Who knows what we'll be talking <laughs> about when we get back at it next time. But until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.